0: Hello and welcome to Las Doctoras podcast, bringing you conversations about race, gender, sexuality, reproductive justice, and so much more. I am Dr. Renee Limas, gender pronouns she, her. I am Dr. Christina Rose,
1: gender pronouns she, her, hers. In this podcast, we are going to share space with women and other people of color to discuss ways to dismantle all systems of oppression, including white supremacist, capitalistic, cis-heteronormative patriarchy.
0: We imagine ourselves sitting at the table in our abuelita's house, sharing a pot of frijoles de la olla and chasing that with a shot of tequila, all while thinking of revolutionary ideas.
1: That's the sentiment we hope to bring you and we invite you to join us on this journey. Bienvenidos.
0: Welcome to episode seven of Las Doctoras podcast. Before we get into the discussion for this episode, I wanna remind listeners that we are holding an in-person workshop series in the surrounding area of Long Beach, titled First Moon Workshop Series for Parents and Children. The idea for the series came to us from a call that we heard in the community. Quite literally, we had people in our community coming to us asking for a class where their children can learn and talk about menstruation um, from a place that's not rooted in shame and guilt and any sort of negative understanding of the body. And we really recognized um, how powerful it was that the community had entrusted us enough to ask us for this. And so we took this call very seriously and and made this happen. Um, we looked at You know, some of the past uh, classes we've done online, some of the past workshops that we've done, some of the classes that we've taught in the university, and of course, some of the research, the academic research that we've done, and we've created a workshop series. And in this workshop series, we are creating space for parents um, to come and unpack and explore their emotional connections with menstruation um, that can often be tied up in shame and negative feelings, and of course, recognizing that they may not want to pass those same sentiments on to their children. And so, how can parents create or set intentions that will foster a different kind of dynamic, um, a different kind of family dynamic, um, as their as they prepare for their children coming into this transformational moment. Um, And the class is also going to connect both parents and children to ancestral stories of menstruation. It will be a space to learn about the science and biology of menstruation and and then ultimately to create ceremony as, um, as again, as they sort of prepare for this uh, transition into puberty. Um, We have received questions if we would ever um, offer this online and we do hope to eventually offer this series online but for now we're putting our attention on creating a physical space for families to come together and set intentions and to um, create um, a positive family dynamic as they welcome in this transformational moment that's not tied up in shame but rooted in love, compassion, Uh, access to information, and connection. So if this is something that you might be interested in, or if somebody you know might be interested in in this and is located in their surrounding areas of Long Beach, please go to our Instagram um, at at dot. Doctoras, D-O-C-T-O-R-A-S. And if you click on the link in the bio, you'll be able to sign up for our newsletter. And when you do that, you'll actually receive um, an email with a discount link for the workshop series. And um, when you do that, you'll also receive our future newsletters and get early access to all projects and future classes we will be offering. So again, if you go to our Instagram and click on the link in the bio, you can sign up for our newsletter and get discounted registration for this workshop series and be the first to hear about our future offerings. Thank you so much. And uh, we hope you enjoy the conversation that Christina and I are having in this episode. Our previous episodes have been speaking to issues of reproductive justice, ancestral knowledge, and whatnot. And while we're having these conversations, we also recognize the ways larger societal structures impact the way we learn, know, and think about our bodies, our culture, our children, and ourselves. And in that process, we really wanted to create space to also talk about what grounds us. What is the foundation we stand on when we grapple with the harsh realities of life? So I hope you enjoy our discussion on our spiritual journeys. Thanks. Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our episode. Um, so really excited Uh really to see how far we've come in, mm-hmm. in this process and in creating this podcast. Um, we're so happy to be sharing our work with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, our episodes have demonstrated, right. Really seen our work, um, highlighting reproductive justice issues. And we've talked a lot, you know, uh, about a different, different topics in relation to that. Um, and, you know, I feel like I can never get tired. <laughs> I know it's, there's something in like, when we talk about, you know, mm-hmm. menstruation and fertility and all this, there's something in me that likes, I just get a spark of energy, you mm-hmm. know, and it's kind of a weird topic to feel that way about, but I do. Um, so it's been really great to like have a space to, to talk about those things, you know?
1: Definitely. Here we are at episode seven of our podcast And I think by the time this comes out, too, um, the announcement of our new class will come out. Yes! (laughs) Talking about our next class being Mm -hmm. First Moon Coming-of-Age classes Mm -hmm. um, for parents and children. Yes. So exciting. (laughs) I love that. I love it. And in our last podcast, uh, it was um, about our new book mias de las abuelas, and we had Carolina and Marla here talking about really how we are creating rhythms for our children that are connected to our ancestry. That that such comes the desire for this book and the creation of the book comes from such a deep need to um, have access to memories and stories and songs and rhythms that are that were our our abuelas our abuelos you know our bisabuelas and um it's been a long journey Mm -hmm. it feels like it but i mean it's it's also just our lives you know it's it's the work it's the gifts i think that our children are bringing into our lives sometimes yeah and how much thought that that creates for us Mm -hmm. and
0: intention yeah for sure so, um that being said, um we want to kind of set the stage for the next couple episodes that we're going to be having and shifting the conversation a little bit into something that we feel is at the heart of a lot of the work we do and drives the work we do, which is um which is our spirituality. And you know, we'll we'll kind of talk a little bit about how we were both raised in pretty traditional religions, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, evangelical Christianity, (laughs) Mexican Catholicism, (laughs) right? To be specific. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that at least for me, and I think also for you, our academic journeys have allowed us to kind of explore both like the nuances of that and also finding other ways to connect spiritually. and um and so we find that at this point in our lives and at this point in the work that we do everything we do is is so grounded in that right mm-hmm. that i think you know when we talk about reproductive justice we are talking about sort of how do we spiritually connect to our bodies mm-hmm. right beyond just like how do we understand the science and the biology mm-hmm. and you know but when, when we're talking about destigmatizing shame it is about you know then reconnecting you know spiritually to our bodies and um you know so so i think you know i think it's an important conversation to have recognizing how foundational spirituality is to the work that we do what do you think
1: i really agree you know spirituality is such a big word Mm -hmm. maybe a big word these days or in in our lives i guess and it and it's a, mm-hmm. it has so many definitions to it and it can be quite ambiguous and this metaphysical and woo-woo and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I think it is closely connected to um, words that I think are very familiar to us as writers and researchers, epistemologies, like ways of knowing the world um, and uh, other, th- other, th- other words connected to like, where we come from. Like our source of understanding, our perspective, our, what are those words? The, the place, the assumptions that you come to with mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe this is just something that we share being born around the same time or coming from similar spaces, but we can't help but come from that space mm-hmm. of where, what's our intention? Mm-hmm. Um, what do I bring to the table in this conversation? And Then I think as activists, you know, really thinking about something I was talking about earlier, which is like freedom being a, a, you know, as a religion to us, like a seeking Mm. um, to free ourselves from the words, the stories, the people that have um, suppressed our voices or silenced us, you know, Mm -hmm. in our lives. And so all of
0: that. I think we bring to the table when we talk about yeah. the word spirituality. Yeah, and I think that's such a that's such an important part piece of the conversation to like you said there is it's it almost has a, a trendy feeling, right? Like a lot mm-hmm. of people are talking about spirituality. Um and I think on one hand it's it's at least for me it's given me access to things in a way that I might not have had access mm-hmm. to even five years ago or 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the other hand, it does head in the direction of cultural appropriation and commodification. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think we like to be very careful about the way that we Mm -hmm. are talking about spirituality, the Mm -hmm. way, um, you know, that we sort of articulate that. But again, just recognizing how, um, how it drives us Mm-hmm. You know that at the end, because it can, this the work that we do can be very exhausting. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we have to have some kind of like home, right? Or <laughs> at some kind of place where we can feel better about mm-hmm. you know or whatever it is. Um, so I wanted to mm-hmm. really dive into this, and okay. I think, you know, I you know we're kind of getting into that is what is spirituality because mm-hmm. I think it does have this kind of overarching word and a lot mm-hmm. of people can kind of yeah like co-opt it you yeah. know mm-hmm. and so I want us to kind of really think about like what do we mean by that like what is spirituality
1: <laughs> yeah it still feels like a big thing for us to say it you know um mm-hmm. and to bring it into uh, this podcast um and I think because it has been so whitewashed mm-hmm. and um <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know even and i want to call it words like lightness you know when that's being used when it comes to spirituality like as if darkness isn't a spiritual thing uh-huh. as if you know Oof. um and we have been obviously you know we experience whitewashing um mm-hmm. and in the academia all the time you know so i think we're just kind of <laughs> um done with that you know as much as as much as possible or at least yeah you know, we have a very critical fine eye about that. For sure you and I do. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the whitewashing, the, I know, phallocentric washing, whatever it is. Mm. Like, we're just like, what? you yeah. know. So, spirituality. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. The conversation around spirit, right? Mm. Soul, spirit, um, the way that. We, I want to live from a heart-centered, a full, a full self way mm-hmm. of living in the world, not disconnected from my ovaries, not disconnected from my heart or my head, right? Not disconnected from my body, and I think that um, the word spirituality means that to me. And so, that mm-hmm. it, it is being my full self. <laughs> In the world as much as possible, being my
0: full present self. Um, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Um, I think for me, spirituality is—is is that right? Is like you know allowing yourself to kind of be. In your body to be present, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's also a recognition of a higher power, right? Ooh. Of a higher Ooh, being. I <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. For me, right? Like I love that. It's hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, right? Like we can all practice or think about spirituality in different ways, and I think, rec- and and not just like a higher power, but like and a creator, right? Like yeah. I I have faith in a in a creator, whether it's God or whatever <laughs> um, the unmoved mover like some aristotelian like idea mm, of, uh... something you know i i have i have a deep you know that's that's been my spirituality and um am rooted in a, a sense of something higher and also rooted in an understanding of realms beyond our own yeah right like when we talk about our deceased ancestors and where are they and our ability to connect with them on a spiritual level right Mm -hmm. um whether that's heaven or whether that's the land of the dead you know whatever it is um just a a, A scene from coco that's yes i'm like oh it's so beautiful (laughs) you know some something where you know especially for me always feeling such a deep connection to that and so it's feeling connected to myself and to the world, like people in the world and, but also feeling connected to something beyond our like human understanding. Yeah. Right. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Beyond. I think that's such a good word because I think that, and I was having this conversation with some friends yesterday about, um, conspiracy theory and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, uh, you know, do people not believe that the world is like round, you know, and things like that? And I was uh-huh. like, whoa, or believe that people landed on the moon or people like in yeah. Sasquatch and things like that. And I was <laughs> like, well, I don't, you know, it's not like I don't believe that Sasquatch exists. I just don't, don't know that it he doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, I'm not like that's a spiritual thing, but I guess that's the place mm. I come from in this is like, I have a limit. I have a limit of understanding and knowing the world. And I think that there is something beyond um, my understanding, my, yeah. you know. And and I do believe that we connect to each other um, and to the earth um, mm-hmm. from a very spiritual place. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and then my body also helps me to do that too mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, whether yeah. I'm in the garden mm-hmm. growing things mm-hmm. and,
0: you know. So,
1: yeah. yeah spirituality.
0: (laughs) I mean, I'm sure we can go on sort of defining that, but...
1: And it's tricky too because so many of the words like creator um, are still... So laden with a, a phallocentric gaze. They're still yeah. so male. So we could say create tricks, but no one really says that. Oh, and it sounds kind of... I've,
0: I read that recently somewhere, actually. Somebody saying create tricks.
1: And some people using, you know, God spelling it G-O-D-D-E. to So it's so kind of like uh, it's um, like more connected to whatever the see, feminine always,
0: is. My perception, my most recent perception, because I didn't think I grew up thinking this, but my most recent perception is seeing a creator as not just non-binary, but not even yeah, that. Like, just non-anything, right? It's, yeah. It's not, you know, the creator is not in human form, so there is no gender, right? Like, God has no gender. It's just a being, you know? Or if anything, it has all genders, right? Like, yeah. I very much
1: agree with that, you know? I think that, and I love that you're able to... <laughs> This is why I don't go to church though and other and other things because it's so triggering for me and it's because mm. so much of um my understanding of creator and God God is so steeped with masculinity. Like yeah. I remember in college I was I broke down in one of our my religion classes and conversations and I was like why is God a man? You know, <laughs> like um There's something so guttural in response to the maleness that was attributed, you know, to God growing up that is just so real. How much Mm -hmm. I felt so excluded in that. And um, so anyways, I don't feel connected to my higher power when I go to circles Mm. like that or because I'm so triggered
0: by the words. I really feel more defensive, you know, so. um, And I think that's that's really that's a really important thing to say. Right. Because Mm -hmm. of. You know, again, both of us being brought up in, you know, Christian households, Catholic mm-hmm. households, and it's it being very patriarchal, right? The doctrine mm-hmm. being very, very patriarchal. And I think maybe the difference for me, just in hearing, like, you mm-hmm. say that, I think for me, because, like, Virgen de Guadalupe oh. was such an important figure in my house. My mom's name is Guadalupe. Yeah. It was the central figure in my home, yeah. right? In my mom's house, there's... An image, fresh flowers every day, right? Like there's never not fresh flowers there. You know, my grandmother, like, you know, um, it's Mm -hmm. it's just been such a central figure in my life. So I, even though we didn't really say she was the equivalent to God, Mm -hmm. there was still this sort of divine woman figure in my life, you know, when I remember being little and if I was, had anxiety or stress and my mom had a little a little picture frame of la vidhan next to my bed and she would say you you just pray to the vidhan you know because i would say like don't you know sleep with me like she's like i'll be in my room and if anything happens i can come i'm like how are you gonna know and she said you know if you pray to the vidhan she will let me know (laughs) so beautiful i love it in my little childhood brain i was like is she gonna walk out of the picture and like go and get you? Like oh, it was so literal yes, for maybe. me. And my mom even says she goes, maybe you know, maybe that'll happen or whatever. Totally. Um, But it, so I think I don't have that same kind of yes um, trigger, yes. you know. In like I'm, I am able to see beyond like the gender of it because yes. because I was because of eaten. but even that right like is is. There's so much, even with that, right? Like, she's la vidhen, so there was this sort of sexual purity thing going on yes. there. And that can sometimes be a trigger for me. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Like, thinking, okay, we have uh-huh. la vidhen, but it became a way to impose shame. Yes. Right? And so it's taken me years to kind of take, separate la from the shame of sexuality. Oof, so you good. know,
1: <laughs> You know, the first... Um, and I will say the rest of my family, except for my, my nuclear family, my, my mom and dad, and, um, who are evangelical fundamentalists, um, and that's the world world I grew up in, um, the rest of my family is Catholic, my Filipino, my Latina, Mm -hmm. you know, Latinx family, um, everyone's Catholic, (laughs) except, and so I definitely, you know, I've, I've, I grew up going to mass with my grandparents and things Mm like that, um. But it is different. I mean, the first thirty years of my life, or you know, really steeped in a Christian a Christian subculture that is not just um, patriarchal. Um, like I spent a ton of time looking for a feminine figure to mm. connect with. And eventually, in some certain, you know, Christian worlds, they will, like, say the spirit is a feminine, like ruach, whatever in, oh. like, Hebrew is a fem- eff- a feminine term. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, okay, cool, you know, but things like the virgin in evangelical fundamentalism is like the devil's work. You know, it's really like... Isn't that so interesting? I mean... She's not divine. She, like, it's this really big thing. Like, um... And then, besides being patriarchal, very whitewashed, too. I think that a way that Mexican or Filipino, like, Catholicism is still probably pretty whitewashed, but (laughs) maybe not to the same extent. You know, there's definitely, like, space for, you know, the Virgin of Guadalupe, who is uh, a mestiza, you know, or different things like that. Um, Yeah. There were no pictures of um darker people (laughs) in the in the congregation in the church I mean my family was one of the only like kind of um families of color at least that's what how my my siblings and I talk about it you know um so yes
0: um I think it's it's so interesting that conversation of like the whitewashing of you know even Jesus right and um for in my house, you know, for Christmas time when, when we would have the nacimiento, right, the nativity set, and it irked my dad to no end that there was no historically accurate nacimiento, oh, <laughs> you know, oh, like in that terms of was in terms of their like skin. He's like, Jesus was not white, and he just would get so angry. And at some point, he, you know, my mom was, I think her nacimiento had broken or something, so she was looking for a new one. And so it, like, became this whole thing of trying to find something that that depicted a little bit darker skin, which was almost impossible to find, right? And so it was like, and so I say this because when my father passed away and we were, um, we were, making funeral arrangements and you know the little card that has like Mm a picture and then it has some sort of prayer on the back Mm -hmm. that you give out at the funeral Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so they were giving us different options and there was one of like the sacred heart of jesus right jesus and my mom the first thing was like your dad would not have wanted this white jesus (laughs) and i was like you're right So I think we. So we. Yeah, where'd we, uh, you go with that? Oh with yes, levied yeah. him, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but it was just an intro. It was like a kind of funny moment, you know, because he was so adamant. Like Jesus was not white. I can't believe they always do that. And yeah, um, yeah. So it 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 definitely that that's um, that's part of you know that story of like whitewashing. You know, yes. um, we've kind of been talking about the where you know we were rooted in these these traditions and. You know, the the sort of ways in which they, you know, create maybe created confusion, right? Because you are mm-hmm. like, oh, I was looking for this feminine figure and I was like, oh, she's so ch- tied to shame, you know, mm-hmm. and it can't. And yet for me, like, I still love Lavin, love right? Like, she's yeah. still an important part of my figure and an important part of my life. So maybe we can talk about these transformational moments mm-hmm. that um, brought us to you know where we are now and of course also recognizing that we're still in a spiritual journey we're still yes. kind of working on you know what all of that means but um yeah some transformational moments in terms of going from our childhood upbringing to mm-hmm. to where we are now
1: <laughs> I feel like I want to begin by saying you know, um, I really try to come from not like an mm-hmm. anti-place when it comes to this. I know I mm-hmm. I first got here because I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that some of these transformational moments just showed me that so much of the story, so much of the religious and spiritual traditions that are out there in the world, that are even a part of my ancestry, were silenced or oppressed in my mm-hmm. life. And so... Um, so and I feel like I have spent a, like a lot of time, thirty years of my life, studying from a pretty um, patriarchal, um, Eurocentric perspective, and I have ancestry in that. So. I give that, you know, I did it. Yeah. I know it. I know it really well.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And then now giving space and my attention, like not even wanting to talk about it in therapy or anything like, the, mm-hmm. that, Those <laughs> the whiteness and the maleness of the church. Oh, mm-hmm. it's so abusive. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very clear. And I've done like a lot of healing from like mm-hmm. that. So then being more interested in talking about, the, um, the women, um, my mothers, my, my great-grandmothers, um, women of color, what were their religious and spiritual traditions. And so mm-hmm. I think the, the transformational moments certainly were like leaving abusive relationships, mm-hmm. I'm going to say plural, you know, um, mm-hmm. in my life when I was in my late 20s. Um, just calling out, you know, how much... I what I learned told me that I didn't have a voice in all those different things. And then, I even during that time reading books, like reading in college, I read um, Dorothy Sayers, who was um, a, a friend of C.S. Lewis and a, an Oxford mm. scholar, wrote um, "Are Women Human?" question mark You know, and she really gets into mm. um, kind of this conversation about uh, thinking about women and their connection to themselves and into the to humanity and to divinity too in so mm-hmm. many ways um, that book i'm trying to think of other books that i read that really got me just thinking and it was mm-hmm. mostly a culmination of mm-hmm. of undergrad and then grad school a book after book just letting me see that there is just so much out there that i i didn't have access to mm-hmm. traveling mm-hmm. i think like going to the Philippines, going, um, to Spain, going, you know, to Mexico, going to India, like going to all these places in the world, which I love doing in my twenties and in my thirties also just opened my eyes to ways of, um, other people's cultural traditions, other people's spiritual traditions, other people's interpretation of Christianity, other people's abilities to do that, you know, um, other transformational moments, um. I think like reading the works, you know, Shri Muraga, and uh, Castillo, Anzaldúa, you know, mm. really, which I kind of encountered again like later in my life, also opened my eyes. For a while, I was a chaplain, you know, for the Episcopal Church, um, and I, and so I think that's part of it too. I would go to every possible church, synagogue, temple there was. Mm. Um, looking for a, a place for me but also looking for some some divine divinity that i could connect to you mm. know in practice too um and i think it eventually led me to a place particularly my trip to the philippines when we went um down to the um, more indigenous tribes in Mindanao, seeing their spirituality and so deeply connected to the boat to the banca, to um to the ancestors just there's so many things that pass down to me that my ancestry is so rich in so many spiritual traditions that i never knew about you know asking taking a a class reading something going traveling and then being able to go back to my you know my my auntie and say do you have i know you're catholic but (laughs) but do you have I think that you have like a spiritual, you know, whatever. she's yeah. like, yes, I see dead people. Yes, the numbers <laughs> and things like that. I'm like, what? Yeah. How did I And My Lola was like that, you know? And, um, yes. Just things that people didn't talk about or, you know, weren't gonna talk about unless I asked them. Yeah. You know?
0: So, long story, but. No, that's, I think, very similarly, right? I think, um, transformational moment for me was um you know I, I went to Catholic school my whole life and I didn't really necessarily have a bad experience you know and I, I always hear a lot of people who talk about their Catholic school experience like oh it was the worst like, mm, I didn't really have that like I actually enjoyed it I went to an all-girl high school and I really feel that it was part of the reason why I'm a feminist or why I was able to explore that you know mm. um at the same time, there was obviously that underlying shame there that, you know, I've I've since unpacked, yeah. but a big transformational moment was when I was, I was in my grad program in, um, in Chicano and Chicana studies at, at Cal State LA, and we were talking about the ways in which colonization was sanctioned by the Catholic church, you know, and things like Slavery and, you know, rape and abuse and the mission systems and all of this stuff. And I'm like, what? Like, and it, and it too, it wasn't until like maybe my, maybe early, early ish 20s, mm-hmm. you know, early to mid 20s. And, um, you know, because of course the history that we learned is always is very whitewashed, is very, you mm-hmm. know, Americanized, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, to kind of hear this perspective of the Catholic Church, it really kind of threw me for a loop because I was so like grounded in my in my religion. And um and then I was like, well, what do I do? Right, like I can't stand by yeah. this, right? I can't be okay with this history, and and can I be okay with this history and still be Catholic? And then it was coming, reading Castillo for sure, Ana Castillo, "Massacre of the Dreamers," um, Gloria Saldua. For sure. I remember reading that and I was like, like I I took a deep breath and I was like, oh, okay. And the seven stages of conocimiento was just like, whoa, what? It still is. And I still, like, I always call Borderlands my Bible. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Because when I start to feel lost, I'm like, oh no, what what does Gloria (laughs) at this? stage? What did she say about the qualico state and you know these different W W A D or something like that? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: And so it it actually gave me permission Mm -hmm. to say I can still practice my faith in Jesus and in La Virgen and Mm -hmm. in even practicing these 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 traditions because again for me they were so steeped also in my culture, right? So getting married in the Catholic Church, baptizing my children was as much a cultural tradition for me and my family, you know, as mm-hmm. part of our family culture, mm-hmm. as it was like a religious ceremony, right? It was like wanting to present to the world, like who the padrinos are, right? And who, and getting married in a space that felt like home, right? I got married yeah. in the church that I, um, you know, I went to that Catholic school, right? So there was just this really sense of like, you know, groundedness and, also, being able to critique the Catholic Church, also being yes. able to teach yes. from this perspective of, you know, the, the, Um, the evils of genocide and colonialism and all of stuff and being able to like hold those kind of antagonistic notions in myself yes um i would you know i would tell my students like how do i do it i just do (laughs) like i'm okay with being practicing catholicism in this way while also being very critical of the power structures within the church you know
1: I love that you're bringing up this non-binary place, you know, that's hard to access, especially Mm -hmm. growing up in traditions that were so black and white or so right and wrong, so dark and light, you know, and things like that, Um, so
0: male and female, whatever. All or nothing, right? You're either really good or you are immoral. You're either the virgin or the whore.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right? Yeah, the shame that's involved. I love that Um, that conversation. Thinking about spaces that... um, school provided for us to do that like definitely Mm. like even though i went to even though i went to biola which is you know Mm -hmm. the bible institute of los angeles (laughs) um i was in a program that allowed me to ask questions you know and it was about asking questions and i never before found space where people welcome my questions i certainly asked them in high school when i shaved my head (laughs) when i wore like a rainbow (laughs) earring when i was just like in people's faces but but like that And then also somehow Like a cheerleader on a homecoming court Going yes. around saying Like the kingdom of God Is at hand Like I was I, I don't Who was that person Sometimes <laughs> But that same person Was also going to My grandparents My abuelos <laughs> And telling them and bringing the Bible and telling them that they needed to repent from their Catholicism, you know, like,
0: <sighs> wow. they,
1: and and recognizing, you know, later I was asking them to give away their culture and their whole worldview, but my church was telling me I needed to do this that they were going to go to hell and things wow. like that. It's it, asking the questions I think allows you, and the response I got was always like, you can have these questions and still be yes, you know, you you could have these questions and you know and. Uh, you know, forgive yourself for doing that. You know, and you yeah. can, and forgive your family. You know, if you can, you know, you, you can be critical and still a part of the community. The community,
0: yes, yes. You know, and
1: <clears throat> I needed <throat> permission to be able to do that for some right? reason. Right, like
0: just feeling, feeling like you can, right? Feeling like that's possible. Feeling like yeah. you're not a traitor anyone one way. Oh, now we're getting into like Malincha stuff, right?
1: Ooh, <laughs> right, but um. But I think you mean the the person that was
0: kidnapped and abused and raped and trafficked, you know, things like that. Yes,
1: definitely that (laughs) religion. Yes, Yes. okay.
0: Um, And I think I think because the nature too of colonization and being that we come of these, you know, these rich ancestries, that has actually always inherently been a part of that, right? Like even when I say Mexican Catholicism, what that means is Mm -hmm. that a lot of the indigenous. traditions and ceremonies were merged with Catholicism. Yeah. So that I think, you know, um, um you know, Mex- I always say Mexican Catholics practice it in in you know, it's Catholicism, but there's a different practices that are yeah. done differently. Um and I think, you know, I had a similar experience with mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of coming to these things and then it had me tap into um, asking my family, you know, Well, I'll say this. So when I was younger, um, I I always had these very vivid dreams, Mm. you know, and my uncle who had passed away when I was five years old and then my grandfather who had passed away when I was, I think, 11 or 12. And they both came to visit me in my dreams. Like very, my uncle, the reason my uncle was clear was the house that I lived that I grew up in was actually my grandmother's house before,
1: mm. and so mm. he. That's cool.
0: Yeah, so he. So this is an uncle that was married into the family, but he and my aunt lived there in my room, right? That was their room, mm-hmm. and so I had a dream one day that he like walked into the room, into my bedroom, and like just stood there, and he had this like old suitcase, like those.
1: old is This is soon after he
0: died. This was years yes. after he okay. died. And I was like, what's going on? Because I knew he'd been dead. Like, how is this possible? You know, I similarly had a dream when my grandfather died. And that was much sooner, like maybe a, maybe within a week or two. Mm-hmm. He came into the house and I was like, what are you doing? You're dead. Like, how are you here? And mm-hmm. I, all my cousins were there and he came and like hugged all my cousins and then walked out the back door. And I remember talking to my mom because we didn't really get to see him when he died because he had moved back to Texas, and so we didn't really get to say, like, goodbye. Mm, and yeah. so my mom saying, well, maybe it was his way of saying goodbye. Years later, like, maybe ten years later, I had a dream, again, that he came into my home, and I just started crying. Now, when he died, his funeral, I did not shed one tear. Mm. There, was, there was a lot of drama in the family going on, so it was a little it's interesting. Hard. But I... I cried all the tears in my dream that I didn't, you know, but in with him, right? It was a very interesting. And so I had this sense of a connection to other realms, right? Oh like, am I talking to dead people? Like, what is this? And I remember one time, you know, my good Catholic girl, like, saying my prayers before I go to bed and saying, okay, God, if this is something that, I, you know, if this is my gift, like, let me know. That night I had a dream that some little boy was there was a little boy at the foot of my bed, and I freaked out. (laughs) I was like, "Nope, nope." I said, "God, nope, nope, nope. I'm not doing it." And I kind of shut the door. And I mean, there was still ways in which I would have dreams about things that would eventually like happen, like like I would have foresight dreams, right? like psychic visions kind of thing Mm -hmm. but I never really had those like dreams of like dead people anymore because I was like nope 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 (laughs) and I shut it off for a really long time and I will say that I think last year I had another transformational moment when Mm. my anxiety was at its highest that it's ever been you know I was Mm. I was Mm non-functional you know I was I can look back at it now and say it felt like I was dying. It Mm. felt like I was drowning and I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't find my way out. And and this might sound weird, but what I think I eventually came to was the way I sort of articulate it now is I think my ancestors were yelling. (laughs) They were saying, we're here. (laughs) You need to hear us. You know, mm. um, and I don't know. Like I don't know. That sounds a little weird, maybe <laughs>
1: No, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm also thinking how we didn't define spirituality in anything like this, and this yeah. is definitely like I believe this is. A, I believe in the spirit world. I believe yes, the that they're with world. me, and I believe that. Um, yeah, it's maybe I need to believe it, but I want to. Maybe it's very real at the same time, and it's a part yeah. of my family stories. But like you know, when the the hummingbird comes a colibri I'm like that's my grandmother Uh you know that's Mm -hmm. abuela like and now Hawar says that's him "Ah, look abuela's here you know um, to feel that connected to our our family that has passed you
0: know and I think too especially since my dad died and I had it was a hard time because I was pregnant so I went into a deep state of denial you know all my friends were like you were in some major denial like that I was grieving and it wasn't until I was like allowed myself to grieve and then you know and so it was there was a lot, like you said, a culmination, right? It's a culmination yes. of like my father dying, finishing grad school, having children, baby. yeah, you know, all of these things. And then this major sort of episode with anxiety and, you know, um and then it was sort of like I had to reconnect with my ancestors. And so I went to my grandmother and I, cause I always remember her saying that, oh, my mom was psychic or my mom, you know, my grandmother read tarot mm-hmm, and she would, mm-hmm. and and I kind of, heard it but didn't really mm-hmm. investigate mm-hmm. and so last year I started asking my grandma questions mm-hmm. and then now she's been more like willing to like talk about these things and you know and and I was like like you said like oh right so th- they were they were hardcore Catholics but they also mm-hmm. were rooted in, in these other spiritual practices and so like you said giving myself space to to explore those mm-hmm. because I have spent so much of my mm-hmm. life like explain Catholicism, <laughs> yes. good and bad, um, and so it's, I'm in a place now where I'm just much more, I've, I've tried to open that door again to whatever it is that this gift might be to connect with, mm-hmm. to connect with ancestors, um, and I I've, I've felt very clear communication, you know, yeah. um, sometimes it's a little like, huh, right, um, and sometimes I've needed help, you yes. know, in our next episode, we'll We'll get more into that <laughs> Hell, yeah, um, but um, but I think those have been the major transformational moments for me, right? Like kind of coming to terms with like my what is my practice of Catholicism mm-hmm. and then also like connecting to ancestors in this like higher spiritual way um that I think I've always been you know, even my mom would say, oh, yeah, you were always you always had vivid dreams, yeah, you know, and I would like living full other lives like, in dreams yes. and you know, when my dad died, immediately I was having almost every day I would have a dream that I would have full on conversations with him, you know. And
1: <laughs> so interesting how it comes back to so much of just who we are, you know, things like that. I think about like so much of my story that I share in the podcast or my life is like, I can't remember. Like I'm I've mm. really cultivated like forgetting in my life. And Ooh. and I realize now, you know, maybe at twenty I believed I could forget things and at forty, I definitely don't they're there and they come up in safe spaces the trauma the different things that I ignored things I didn't think were that bad now in a safe space they will be they're here with me they're here the body keeps score you know Mm. it's a great book oh my god but it's really intense (laughs) Um, and I think that um, that's something I, I think of now like I, I had to cultivate my dream life. I have to keep a journal, dream journal by my, yeah. my, or else I just forget. But once I kept it, like, I was like, holy crap, I'm having all these dreams. You see the patterns,
0: and you see... And thinking you know. about my
1: spirituality, like, as a child, I was so afraid. <gasps> all the time of, and it would you know we we read books like um that talked about the spirit world and there was always like good and evil and the demons and things like that and I yeah. just and now I think that demons are inner demons are in everyone yeah <laughs> your demons you know because yeah. your wounds will become like they will they will become the devil in your life and take over you know yeah. um yeah I've been thinking about as you talk and the ways that you can be hardcore or something and then also have like this like life and I know that's true in my my Catholic family. I can see it when I look at like the Midrash traditions and like the Judaic like world, you know, mm-hmm. you can write into like scripture the silent stories, you know, the mm-hmm. the stories that are just like blurbed in like the Bible and things mm-hmm. like that. But growing up never allows. Like even thinking now, like could I cultivate, like, have an image of like Jesus in drag, <laughs> um, dark somehow, like, and mm-hmm. and and be good with that? Could anyone in my life that I grew be up okay with, with, be that. okay? And, oh, that would be, I would be. Um, well, it's
0: it's like the you know when I in my classes talk about La Vida, you know, we mm-hmm. kind of do a whole a whole lecture on La Vida. And culminating in the work of, of um, Chicana feminists who have mm-hmm. actually recreated her image, you know, and I, and so there's the the Alma Lopez digital image mm-hmm. of her, you know, where she's, you know, it's a a live woman, you know, mm-hmm. and she's wearing a rose Roses. bikini <laughs> with. Her her cloak, the traditional cloak, is sort of a superimposed image of Guatliqui, yeah, right, and you know, and then there's a bare-breasted woman at the bottom, right, and yeah. in, in, in place of the the angel at the bottom, and so it's you know, and and I, and I remember when I saw that image for the first time, it was sort of this reconciliation of like, oh, we can honor the Vitan, but also give her her full humanity, which includes sexuality, yeah. right, and and yet yeah, I have students who are like. Oh no. Like it it no. <laughs> right like they like you say, can people in my life be okay with accepting this? And there's just there is still so much resistance yeah. to that, right? And and I and I would ask, like, what's 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 the issue with the image? And they would be like, Oh, like we are desecrating her image. It's a binary
1: you know? of divine versus human. And somehow we're not like being human is a sin, you know. Being <laughs> and then being femi- female is as is a greater sin, and then being dark is another sin, right? There's all these things that are like, um, yeah. I mean, I when, it's not new, but I guess it's just, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, we I talk in my classes too about you know when we because we look at like the Virgin Heart dichotomy and you know the victim being this historical icon that creates that dichotomy and how even the, we call her la virgen, right? Yeah. The Virgin Mary, that her identity is so tied up in her virginity.
1: And virginity <laughs> as a social construct that yes. she didn't have sex, which is an, a newer definition, right? Of the word virgin,
0: really, you know? Mm, like, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And so it's like, so that becomes the the standard, right? Like, and yet she was a virgin and somehow still gave birth. Yeah. Immaculate conception, right? Yeah. And so it creates this like, you know, perfection model. Yeah. Right. And, and we have to grapple with that. And, you know, and then, and then because there's so many women that have reimagined her, you know, for me. And so when you say like, can I create this image of Jesus? I'm like, yeah.
1: Yeah, of course. It's, I'm thinking right now too, like how much her sexuality is tied to her name, you know, and even though it's, it's denied her, which is so interesting. Imagine
0: if Jesus was like the Virgin Jesus or something like that. Would we even say that, you know? No. And yet, that is an assumption. Yeah. Right? But it's not central to his identity, yeah. to his divinity, to his power, you mm-hmm. know, all of that stuff. Um, yeah. I
1: want to go on to the question, why is this so important to us, spirituality? Okay. And I'm recognizing, you know, now again, confirming that, like, it's important because it's a part of our it's us unpacking things. It was mm. so much a part of our life. And if all these things were sinful, that we are, just inherently... <laughs> We're trying to, like, work through that a little bit and then to reclaim a spiritual, you know, a spirituality that um, um, doesn't deny us, doesn't undervalue us, that actually loves us, affirms us, you know, that represents us. Um, Very important. And that's what's in the book that we're writing and that's what's in um, the classes that we're doing Mm -hmm. and that's what we're talking about in this podcast. And it's what we want to pass on to our children, you know. It's
0: oh, yes, right? Like I'm like writing all these words that you're saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, like, I love it. We're not denying our humanity, right? It's 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 important because we're allowed to be our full human selves, right? We're yeah. like you said, sinner, whatever we are, and even the word sin can we can unpack that, right? But um, just recognizing our full humanity, right? Our own yeah. imperfections, uh, every, duality, multiplicity, right? Like just yeah. we don't have to be all one thing. Um and I can't but help to do it, right? Oh yeah. Even in
1: like the you know, the sessions we had where it was like good girl, bad girl, you didn't need to let that go or whatever. Like yeah. I was just it's still a part of my life. If I if yes. I wasn't talking about these things, I'd be thinking about them. Yes. Or maybe I would be dying
0: from them. I don't know, literally, you know, like <sighs> Yeah. And and you know, I like the you said affirm, right? It affirms like, Oh yes, like we said, we were given permission to like hold these things right in our lives and yes. so affirming that it's okay to do that right and being representational right like there's there's models for this already out there we're not reinventing the wheel um and yet reclaiming our ancestral you know our the the multiplicity of our ancestral gifts right because yes we come from these these european um traditions but we also come from these indigenous traditions and how can mm-hmm. we hold those two things mm-hmm. at the same time and um and reclaim that which has we have not had access to yeah you know and again that's part of the the, the book that we do yeah you know reclaiming and 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 documenting so that we don't lose it anymore yes you know um
1: because it's us it's like our dna it, it is. is it is Ooh! who we are right it's like <laughs> i can't yeah It's part of who we are. We're mixed. We have all this, um, all of this in our
0: ancestry. So I think the next thing, you know, maybe kind of trying to wrap this up, um, I think I think maybe we can talk a little bit about you know what it is that where we're at now spiritually, um, and of course we continue to be on a journey. But I think on one hand, what is the spiritual practices that we've invited into our home now, and how are we um, integrating our children within that, right? Like, or mm-hmm. attempting to, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's, again, it, it is something, it, even for me, um, it, it, a very recent um, revelation for me was not necessarily wanting my kids to go to Catholic school like I did, still on the <laughs> fence about sacraments, <laughs> you know, there's, and yet there's, you know, it, it, it because it is such a part of my family culture, mm mm-hmm having to, like, grapple with that, like, do, you know, how Mm -hmm. do I want to, um, what parts of that do I want to hold on to, and what Mm -hmm. parts of that do I need to release in order to stand in, in who I feel I am now, and Mm -hmm. also what I want to give to my kids, and then what do I bring in in place of that, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. how do we, how do we, um, I'll say for me, Mm -hmm. what has saved my life, you know, I said last year I felt like I was dying, what saved my life is meditation,
1: yeah,
0: straight up, like, at least four to five times a week, I sit at my little altar and meditate anywhere between three and ten minutes, depending mm-hmm. on what I have time mm-hmm. for. I've created an altar. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, so much of my house was for kids and all this other stuff. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. I need to create space for me. And so having an altar with Levitan on there and, and Jesus and crystals and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, whatever mm-hmm smoke medicine, right? Whether it's sage or palo santo or whatever. (laughs) Uh, Really trying to conserve the sage, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. you know, it's dying. (laughs) Um, And um, anyway, just Mm kind of creating a space whereas before I had the church. right? Mm -hmm. I would quite literally go to mass or go to church Mm -hmm. and that was the space where I practiced my Mm -hmm. spirituality and because I don't do that, like how Mm -hmm. do I, where do I do that now? And like so creating a space within the home to Mm -hmm. do that and um, and having it open to where my kids can see it, mm-hmm. you know, and they ask questions or they'll, mm-hmm. you know, like today when you came over, <laughs> and Cruz had the little um, singing bowl the singing bowl, and he's, you know you know doing that <laughs> and normalizing that to them, mm-hmm. you know, but and that and again, we can have all these different images of uh, you know, uh, spiritual icons or religious mm-hmm. icons, you know and um and then also, um, you know because I do there are things that I do want to hold on to from Catholicism I think prayer is such an important way important mm-hmm. thing and um, mm-hmm. so we we pray at night and you know we we say the sign of the cross in Spanish and mm-hmm. they have different saints in their room you know mm-hmm. they have Navidad and they have um, uh, Saint Anthony and uh, oh, Santa Teresita which is also another like familial saint like that's my grandmother's favorite saint, um, because she was actually a child, right, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't get into her story, but, (laughs) so just, for me, it's, like, kind of, and it's, it's definitely a process, definitely, like, every day, kind of learning what's Mm going to work for our family, you know, like, holding on to some of the Catholic traditions, Mm -hmm. um, and then inviting these, not new traditions, the reclamation of my ancestral traditions, Mm Um, and finding a way to like blend all those for myself. But I think ultimately for me, it's important because it grounds me, Mm -hmm. right? I can get so caught up in life and Mm -hmm. even, you know, in sometimes wanting to connect with my ancestors, that's very like theory, right? It can send me into the, into out, out of my body. It can be very out of body and I need to be able to, reconnect with my body and it's things like meditation things like prayer things like rituals in the house that ground me yes you know even as i explore these other things um and that's why it's important for me you know it's it's really been a lifesaver you know if if i don't meditate i feel it meditation
1: (laughs) very much a part of my life too yeah or should be (laughs) (laughs) You know, as you were talking, I was thinking about what we have in our home. And I was thinking about the things that we don't have in our home, you know. Um, and these other memories came up to me of, you know, of, of my life being told that, you know, God doesn't hear me. You know, I actually have a memory of that. It was my, the person, you know, I was married to at the time. But to me, that also is exactly what I heard growing up all the time, too thinking about things I want to take away from evangelical Christianity and bring into my life and it's hard and part of it too is because it's just my parents even though I was so steeped mm. in that as a child I think too it feels like it's such a, a new thing in the life of my family mm-hmm. maybe it's easier just to go you know back to the spiritual traditions of my grandparents you know some more and things like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: I do think that Activist Jesus, you know, um, <laughs> Social calling out, warrior. calling out race, class, gender issues, and in, in, you know, in his world and in, in or her world or their world, in their world, whatever, <laughs> is is a part of it. I definitely got a sense of um, you know giving and um, mm. righteous anger, you know, when it mm. comes to different things. Even though maybe I wasn't ever allowed to express that, <laughs> whatever. Some messages did come through, and I think that. Um, there is a sense of, you know, um, loving our children and our, and our elders that that's a part of the message, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my home, the way that I interact with my spirituality, there is, um, definitely having spaces that recognize my grandparents, Mm -hmm. Where my family comes from, different um, artifacts that I collected, um, artifacts that sounds weird like some Indiana Jones or something <laughs> like that, <laughs> some you know, blessings I, I received from my family in the Philippines and, and Mexico and Spain, You know, bringing them into my life there, mm-hmm. um, also a space that recognizes the seasonal changes because actually I think that's the way that I'm reclaiming um, uh, ceremonies and religious ceremonies throughout my life is really thinking of ways like Easter and um, Halloween and even though Halloween, whatever, whatever yeah. harvest and all these different things are really old old earth based ways of understanding our world and so that's to me is my way of reclaiming it going back to maybe what I would consider more of the roots of those yeah. you know celebrations recognizing the change is is a spring um, my partner created um, I am um, a tree, you know, a seasonal tree so that we could change it out every season, yeah. have a space that says, oh, it's the springtime or we're waiting for the summer or yeah. we're waiting for, you know, or um, a space that recognizes it's someone's birthday in our family, you know, mm. um, one of our ancestors' birthdays. This is a, you know, a day for that. And also, I've been bringing more guava leaves in, which is like a Filipino thing, into, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. you burn to clean the air and things like that. Oh. And maybe a more accessible and then not as, you know, appropriated and everything yeah. like that too. But, um, and... And having like a morning like kind of ritual that we wake into where yeah. we step into a space of creativity and recognizing ancestors, recognizing the home and our day, not in like the Marie Kondo kind of way where I'm <laughs> kneeling on the ground or anything like that, but just being like, good morning house, good morning body, good morning, mm. like, you know, creativity and we'll like try to do some artwork in the morning. I think all of that's about it. And I also wanted to say, it's creating space, thinking about all the ways as a child, I was told or felt told that what my my dreams were, my my intuition, what I brought to the table was um, not important, and I needed to actually be a vessel and be, be hold mm. other th- other messages, you know, other stories. Yeah. Um, kind of deconstructing that as much as I can yeah. to uh, create spaces for you know Jaguar to be able to be who he is. Yeah. And believing that it's magic, or you know, it is, is beautiful and sacred—and creating space to hear, hear, hear his childhood self, you know, because yeah.
0: um, I think there are lessons there, yeah. you yeah. know, for so. sure. And, and I think it's so beautiful when you when you give kids the space to do that, mm-hmm. like what comes up for them. Mm-hmm. Or I remember during Christmas time, you know, we have, of course. We have our nacimiento. Although I'm working on getting a historically accurate one. <laughs> it's in the it's in the works.
1: I love it. Um, I think some beautiful dark wood or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so,
0: so I know someone who makes a little peg doll. Oh. once. I was like, Ow. so I've already commissioned it. <laughs> um, and so anyway, and so and and then we'll have our our Advent, you know, little. Uh, candle mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. you know, and, um and so anyway, so this past holiday season, he has a couple classmates that are Jewish, and so they did like a Hanukkah thing,
1: mm-hmm. and he
0: came home like wanting to do Hanukkah, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, what? Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, can we do that? Like, are we allowed to do that? And so I remember calling, like texting one of the moms like, hey, Chris is really interested, and she seemed like that's so cool, you know, and so yeah. then one of the days we were at the market, and they had these little tiny mini menorahs. And so he so he bought it. And he was so excited to, like, yeah. like the candles and just kind of explore, like, you know, and then I would tell him like, you know, they, they, you know, it's eight days, and they say a prayer every day. Because yeah. he would, I would say, well, do you tell your friends how we celebrate Christmas with las posadas? He's like, but those are so boring. We just pray. I'm like, that's what Hanukkah is. Too. <laughs> but they get a gift every day, you know. And so it was a really interesting way to kind of like have these conversations about like, what is the spirituality of Hanukkah? What is the spirituality of posadas, and what's mm-hmm. the spirituality of christmas and so it was it was it was it was interesting to see him because i don't think i would have as a child if i mm-hmm. came home and said hey i want to celebrate hanukkah they would have been yes. like nope yeah <laughs> there is no space for none of that you know so i kind of wanted to honor his exploration of yeah. of that and and of, of course in a way that's not like culturally appropriating yeah um you know where we're like oh we're gonna celebrate hanukkah and you know but just to kind of give him space to ask questions, you know, and give yeah. him space to like explore that and you know, so I have I have like tarot cards and oracle cards on my altar and he'll like oh let's pull an oracle deck. Mm-hmm. And from the oracle deck it's the goddess deck. He always wants to pull the mother mary. Yeah. He's always like I want to pull Mary, you know, it's so funny. Um but yeah, I think it's 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 to see what they like I think there's something that they have that we don't have access to. Yeah. Right. And so when we kinda see um what they reflect back to us, that's a yes. spiritual gift as well. You yeah. Know, like what what they're coming to it. you're like, oh my God, I don't you know, I would have never thought of doing that or I would never thought of, you know, having that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think this is why, like, being out in nature, like, on the
1: beach or in the mm. forest, I feel most closely kind of connected to some, you know, divine presence, um, the spirit world, too. And I yeah. think that's not, its it makes sense that kids need that that space, you know, yeah. um, to be out there. I did paint the free, you know, drawing of uh-huh. a little kid running through, like, <coughs> you know, the field. And I just thought, yeah. That is something very important.
0: Yeah. So as we wrap up our conversation here, um, we did want to kind of uh, give a little nod to. So our next episode after this comes out, our next episode will be talking to Carmen Sima who is a um, intuitive, yes. a spiritual guide, um, and that's an amazingly powerful conversation that we're going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I think we we really wanted to create a space. Um, an episode to not just talk about spirituality, but really how, where spirituality intersects with social justice. Yes. And because I think those are, like we said, because spirituality can tend to be so whitewashed, it can tend to get, become very benign or be Mm -hmm. very like pulled Mm -hmm. away from, you know, like what it, what the work it's supposed to be doing, right. Or, or, um, or, mm-hmm. what it can allow what mm-hmm. work it can allow us to do? and and because we our academic work and really our work in general, is so grounded in social justice, mm-hmm. I think for us, innately, those two things coming together is is important. right yeah. mm-hmm. um, and and just creating a space to to see like, how does that play out in our lives?
1: very much so. I think it's both like, I was going to say calling out the BS or something like that, but it's more than that. It's saying that something is missing, you know, in 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 the um practices that we might see commodified, repackaged, you know, that yeah. they that there's something missing and that um we're looking for it. Yeah. We're actively trying to find it. I don't think we say we have the answers, but yeah. we're just like we're we're, we're asking longing. questions. We're longing for that. I think it's know? about
0: asking questions. We're saying like, okay, where is the social justice and spirituality? Where's the spirituality and social justice? Yes. You know, and like you said, we don't necessarily have the answers, but we are exploring that, you know, and, yeah, and anything, trying to... We um, are really good questioners.
1: <laughs> we're trying to come... But we're trying to actually land on some, like, way of living and answers
0: for our lives, yeah. you and, know? And and it is. It's not... And, and it, it comes back to that binary, right? Like, we have to have all the answers or we have no answers, yeah. right? It's like... You're right. We are good question. We are good at asking questions because that's what academia taught us to
1: do. <laughs> but I think it's inherent in who we are that's too, true. and I think it's we had to ask questions, or you know, as children,
0: yeah, those were our survival mechanisms. Yeah, just so much, still so much curiosity, right? Like yes. that childhood curiosity. So, yes. um, so yeah, we just want to kind of give a nod to to you know, um, us recognizing how important it is to be having those two conversations in 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 one space or to you know how those two things intersect so um deepening the conversation around spirituality and
1: social justice
0: yes (laughs) so look forward to that yes hopefully um and yeah this has been amazing yeah
1: it's been really good thank you so much thank you thank
0: you all righty